Let's pray. Heavenly Father, through the gift of grace that is your Son, Jesus Christ, you have restored in our hearts joy that we might be motivated by that rather than the guilt that our sin brings upon us. In joy, now let us see the opportunities that are before us. Let us be a church that plants the gospel seed in everything we say, think, and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To be honest, Jesus had one of those days. You know what I'm talking about when I say it's been one of those days. I've heard you say it to me. Sometimes it's on a Sunday morning even. Pastor, it's already been one of those days. And let me tell you what that means normally. It means that you woke up and maybe you overslept and then when you got out of bed you stubbed your toe and then you went into the bathroom and you found that your sink is leaking and then you went to prepare breakfast and the Wheaties are gone. It's just been one of those days. Nothing seems to go right today. We laugh about that because we know that certain things can bother us and that's fine, but, but there are other times when we say it's been one of those days. And that's the time when you say it and you're not even smiling anymore. It's the day when you go into work and first thing off you're reamed out by your boss because you didn't complete the project according to his standards. And then as you're going through the rest of the day, you find yourself asking, I'm not even enjoying what I am doing. Why am I even here? It feels like I have no purpose. And then to make matters worse, when you're driving home, you get cut off and that sends you into a tailspin and you get home and you're just saying, it's been one of those days What am I doing here? That's the kind of day Jesus had. Maybe that surprises you, but let me explain. The day that Jesus had was a lengthy day in which he, the Son of God, the Savior of this world, he, out of the grace and goodness of his heart, he healed a man who couldn't hear and couldn't speak, only to be accused by those who witnessed this and say, that's the devil's work. You must be in league with the devil. And then he goes in front of the religious leaders of the day and they demand that he do another sign to prove that he is the true son of God. And as that's unfolding, then some of his family members try to come to his rescue, not because they're supporting Jesus, but because they're trying to pull Jesus away from that confrontation, and they're trying to protect Jesus from himself. No, Jesus doesn't go on record saying it's been one of those days, but you can imagine what he was thinking as he, the Son of God who came to share the good news with everyone, is just being met with conflict. And so you know what he does? He goes to the beach. Kind of. It says he left the house where he was at and he went to the sea 
the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And there, as a crowd continued to gather around him, he tells one of the most amazing stories or parables. And it's a parable that serves us so well as we're reminded of one of our core values, which is we love to plant seeds, or specifically, gospel seeds. And there's a lot that we're going to learn today as we go through this parable of the sower of seeds. And so I'm going to read it for you, and then I want to talk about what we as a Christian church can learn when it comes to our life of carrying out some of the very truths we've gathered. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to start by reading verses 1 to 9, and then we're going to jump to Jesus' own explanation for his words. That day, excuse me, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And then picking up with verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. It's the word of our Lord. And so here we are, back at our congregation, our church, talking about who we are, and what it is that drives us. And yes, we can say we are driven by joy, the joy of forgiveness and peace with God, more so than guilt. But what else is it that makes us go? Well, let's talk about this parable. And there's so much in it, it might seem surprising that I want to start with simply the first line of the parable because there's tons for us to gather there. This is the line. 
A farmer went out to sow his seed. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? He's setting the stage by simply saying, the farmer does what comes so naturally to him. The farmer does the job that falls to him. And he actually says it in such a way, when you're reading through it, he says it in such a way where he's saying, this is just matter of fact, farmers cast seeds. And the implication is very specific for you and I. For you and I who are gathered here today, Jesus is simply reminding us, there are certain things that are part and parcel with being a Christian. The farmer casts seeds. The Christian plants seeds. Don't overlook that. He's simply saying this is the natural responsibility, opportunity, and job description of a joy-filled Christian heart. Just as in the times of Jesus, the farmer would go out with a sack of, of seeds to his side and he would cast off into the land, or off into the into the air and they would fall where they might. He's saying the Christian just exudes the gospel seed. It's just who we are. As we live our lives, regardless of whether it's going to work or staying at home, regardless of whether it's talking with our family members, our, our sons, our daughters, our children, or whether it's talking with our extended family and friends, he's simply saying, you plant the seed. But we don't. It sounds so simple. Just as a farmer sows seeds, so also the Christian should plant the gospel seed. But now think about how often that doesn't describe our life. It is amazing how many things we allow to get in the way of that natural act of a Christian. Maybe one of the most common ones is what I frequently refer to as the tyranny of the urgent. You understand what I mean by that. We are Americans, and if Americans are anything, it's go, go, go. We got things to do and places to be. We have our to-do lists and we love them. And nothing's going to stop me because everything is urgent. Sound familiar? And so we get up in the morning and we're running, we're running, we're running after all these things that we have decided are more important than simply being who we have been created to be, which is sowers of the seed of the gospel. But there's more. Sometimes it's not the tyranny of the urgent, it's the fear of the repercussion. We spoke about that a little bit in our Bible study this morning. How it seems like more and more society doesn't really want gospel farmers anymore. It seems how it's getting to be a little fearful to use the name of Jesus and to mention God more and more out of fear that maybe it's going to come back to get me. And if there's one thing I want, it's a comfortable life. And as soon as sharing the gospel takes me out of my comfort zone, 
maybe I'll just let someone else do that. And then there's another reason. Maybe we don't sow the seed very often or very well because we're so worried about the results. We are such a result-oriented people. And when we don't see the results, we want to change the recipe. You do that when you're cooking all the time. If the end product doesn't match your expectation, then you try to tweak it. But what's interesting about this beautiful parable is that Jesus never once asks the sower to change what he's doing. He's simply saying, you're the sower, your job is to cast the seed by which it will be planted. And we jump the gun and get so worried about results. Before we talk about those results, maybe one other thought. Do you ever actually stop and think about how fun it is that God is giving you a job to do? It's amazing how, again, in our society, we get so torn when we feel like we don't have a place or a purpose. And one of the most uncomfortable things is when you say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like I have a calling. And so we can go to guidance counselors. We can try new occupations. We can study several different majors. But Jesus really is saying, on a foundational level, you have a very important purpose, regardless of the job that you carry out in this world. And that purpose is you get to cast the seed. He's calling us into the game. He's not saying you get to sit on the sidelines and you're going to be benched because I don't trust you. He's saying, yeah, you, with all of your faults, you with all of your deficiencies, you you are a complete mess, you get to come and share the seed. Throw it. What a joy to have a God who loves us enough to let us come into contact with his word and then use it for the good of others. But here's the selfish part of it. And by selfish, I mean actually a good thing here. Every time we are involved in casting the seed and planting the gospel message in the life of another person, there is inherent blessing and benefit for you. Because you get to be in contact with the very thing that brought you into the kingdom of God. You get to handle the word of truth. You get to handle God's promise. And every time you use that in the life of another What a blessing to be able to have that seed planted back in your own heart. Because the Lord knows just how real those thorns and thistles in our own heart are. Just how rocky our own heart can be. Just how many times our heart goes through that spiritual drought And so every time we get to use that gospel seed with another person, we're also being reminded of the the glorious miracle is that is the fact that we have a relationship with God and we replant that seed in our own hearts. 
So basically, as we as a church love to plant seeds, it reminds us of our role, which is to cast. But it also recognizes God's power. And that brings us to the lengthy result section of the parable. You see, Jesus goes into such detail talking about where that seed lands. But notice, he doesn't blame that on the sower. He's saying the sower is simply doing his job. He's casting and sowing indiscriminately for all to hear. But the reality is, the results don't always match your expectations. And that's okay. He says, don't stop. Just keep sowing. But you're going to see power in my word. Sometimes when, when I'm reading through this parable, I can think of the question, one of the very first questions I ever got asked on this parable. And the question is, why does God's word not work better? And I struggled with that for a long time. Until it dawned on me, what an amazing thing that God's word works at all. Because when you realize the sinful nature that we have, when you realize just how troubled our hearts are, when you realize how self-centered we are and not inclined to, to accept anything that comes from God, really the question is, how is it possible the power that is found in the word of God? And yet that's what the seed is that you and I get to cast. There's a famous passage, it's in Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul goes on record there and he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the dynamite of God. That's literally what he says. You probably know that translation as, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. But the Greek word he uses, it's dynamite. In that little gospel seed, you are planting something that is powerful enough to blow open a stone-filled heart and show them a love that they've never known before. And we get to do that. We cast the seed and we get to witness God's power. But so often we get so consumed with the results and we get so frustrated when we see little sprouts grow only to be choked out or we see roots never take, or, never, or seedlings never take root, to which Jesus says, I'm telling you this not so that you will start to try to judge the quality of the hearts around you, but just to be aware that these are different possible results. These are different possibilities when we cast the word of truth. But it's not incumbent on you or me to try to determine, I'm not even going to bother with this person. This person is as rocky as you will ever find. Let's go to this person. This person seems so ripe. The gospel certainly is going to hit home here. He says, cast the seed. And the Lord will bless it as he sees fit. What does this mean for a congregation such as our own? 
I see two big applications. One is that we have been called to sow. And we've been made aware of the possible results, but that's not supposed to deter. It's simply to, to say, get ready for what could happen. You could have people shut you down. You could also have a wonderful, a wonderful harvest of, what does he say, 160 or 30 times, meaning as the gospel grows in the heart of another, you have one more sower of the seed and the message is multiplied. We have this opportunity in front of us, but it seems to me that when it comes to planting gospel seeds, we frequently fall into two ditches, one side of the road or the other. On the one side, we underestimate our role. And we say, God, that's not, that's not me. That's a you thing. You're going to get who you want. I'm going to keep watching college football. And you just let me know who he's going to get to heaven. To which this parable says, go and sow your seed. Your gospel seed. Let the word of God be evident in your life. Share it with others. But don't fall into the other category of, overstating your importance. Whereas we think that the Christian church is going to live or die with us. No. The power is found in God's word. And just as Isaiah says, the rains water the earth and it will produce according to God's will, so also the Christian church will carry on according to the will of God but we get to be a part of it. One more thought. It's a parable like this that helps us as a church redefine success. There is nothing that can drive us into a guilt-filled despair more than thinking that we are failing God because church is not bursting at the seams. But let's redefine success. Success is not seen necessarily in external amounts of people coming to faith. It is seen in Christians faithfully carrying out the work that they have in front of them. It's seen in joy-filled hearts planting seeds and leaving it in God's hands, saying, Lord, what a privilege to be a part of your field. It helps us as a church redefine what it is that we want to do. We're not going to sell ourselves out and just do everything we can to get people to come through the doors without presenting an opportunity for planting the gospel message. And here's where I think we all need to to evaluate. How often haven't we consoled ourselves with building bridges? Building bridges with those that are are near us saying, someday I'm going to cross over that bridge and I'm going to share God's word with them. But for right now, I'm just setting up the big moment. I'm guilty of that. To which the parable of the sower of the seed says, Plant the gospel. Let it be evident on your lips and in your heart. 
cross over that bridge and tell someone about the love of a God and the need that they have for a Savior because there is power there. It's the dynamite of God. The knowledge of a Savior from sin. A Savior who has not done just half the job, but the complete job. A Savior who has washed sins away. A Savior who has taken all of our evil upon himself and given us the joy of knowing we are right with God. And it also helps when you're having one of those days. Because if you're having one of those days, or the next time you do have one of those days, be reminded that Jesus also had one of those days, and how he concluded it was, keep sowing the seed. It reminds us of our role and of God's power. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, May it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen.